Let me see some things first this morning. Many years ago, when I preached my first sermon as lead pastor in the church Vida Abundante in Venezuela, my sermon lasted an hour and a half. Then one of the elders came to me and told me, you shouldn't have preached for so long. It should have been an hour at the most. <laughs> Lately, I've been learning to preach shorter. In our services in Spanish, my sermons go or last 15 or 20 minutes. 25 at the most. <laughs> my apologi apologize if this morning my message lasts 15 minutes. <laughs> I don't know. It will be a surprise. <laughs> uh, and my apologies for my Hispanic accent as well. Uh, another thing. I don't think you will tell me, slow down, Pastor Carlos. <laughs> you are talking very fast. No. <laughs> yes. uh, well, you, you have to get used to listen to me uh, speaking slow down or slow down. <laughs> well, the, the reading for this morning, our passage is on Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, and we have on the screen. Um, some, of us, some of us may know these three verses by heart. We've heard enough preaching, Bible studies, reflections, based on this same three verses or passage. When we read these three verses, the first thing that comes to our mind is an invitation. And there is indeed an invitation. All of us have been invited to a birthday party, a wedding, an anniversary, a game, a trip, etc. Also, our parent, parents and friends have invited us. Here we find a very special invitation made by a very special person, Jesus Christ. This invitation is much better than the others because it comes from Jesus. Before analyzing these three verses, let's consider their context in the Gospel of Matthew. Someone said, text without context is a pretext and can lead us to a misinterpretation. Then, uh, I will be, I'll be quoting some Bible references here in Matthew that are the context of these three verses. Matthew 4, 12 to, to, through 25 
speaks about the beginning of Jesus' ministry, Jesus' ministry in Galilee. Matthew 5, 1 through 7, 29 speaks about the first discourse of Jesus called the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 8, 1 through 9, 38 speaks about the expansion of the gospel of the kingdom under Jesus' authority. Matthew 10, 1-4 speaks about the selection and the mission of the twelve. Matthew 10, 5-11-1, we find the second discourse of Jesus that talks about the mission, instructions, and about the persecution and difficulties during the mission of the twelve. Uh, Matthew 11.1, we read it. When Jesus had finished instructing his twelve disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. This verse belongs to the previous section as the conclusion or closing of Jesus' second discourse and at the same time serves as a transition to the next section which speaks of the expansions of Christ's ministry. Matthew 11, 2 and 3, we read about the doubt that John the Baptist had and of the sending of two of his disciples to ask Jesus two questions. Matthew 11:4-6 Jesus sent John his answer through his two disciples. Matthew 11:7-7-11 Jesus commands John the Baptist. Matthew 11:12-15 the kingdom suffers violence. Matthew 11:16-19 different attitudes of the people toward Jesus and toward John. Matthew 11:20-24 woes on the unrepentant cities Chorazin, Bethsaida and Capernaum. Matthew 25:27 a prayer of praise to the Father and the unique relationship between the Father and Jesus. Is a brief prayer. Matthew 11:27 reveals much to us about the relationship between God the Father and the God and God the Son. There are no secrets between the Father and the Son. There is no one who knows the Son as well as the Father does. There is no one who knows the Father as well as the Son does. And Matthew 11:28 through 30, we read about this gracious invitation of Jesus. These three verses are among the most beloved and quoted verses in the Bible because all of us feel burdened and in need of rest. 
I said at the beginning that when we hear of or read these three verses, we immediately think of this great invitation of Jesus. But really, in these three verses, we find three commandments of Jesus, two virtues of the character of Jesus. And also, we find two types of rest. There is a rest that is promised, and there is a rest that is found. The rest given is followed by the rest found. I'll, I'll talk about this later. The first point is that Jesus here gives three commands, and the first command is an invitation to go to him to have rest. Matthew gives us the, the invitation at the same time the commands, the commandments that Jesus gave to his followers. This invitation is placed in the close context in which Jesus denounces three cities, Chorazim, Bethsaida, and Capernaum, Capernaum, where Jesus made his home as a man. Each of, this, each of these three cities had reasons to believe in Jesus, and then Jesus denounces them be, uh, with an expression of pain and a warning of judgment for having rejected his miracles and his teachings and for not having repented. Instead of being the first to accept Jesus, they rather rejected him. Jesus next moves from his denunciation to a short prayer to praise his Father for revealing these things to little children and not to the wise and knowledgeable. And then to a gracious invitations, invitation to come to him for rest. Jesus showed his authority when he said, come to me. The, this rest that only Jesus gives is offered to the listening crowds mentioned in Matthew 11:7, 7, along with Matthew's readers. The invitation is inclusive. All who are weary and heavy laden and human responsibility is necessary. One must come. With an invitation found only in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus, the one who alone reveals the Father and the divine plan of redemption, calls out, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Come to me, a tender call to have a deep relationship with him. Jesus opens the door to all who are weary and burdened. The only condition is that they recognize their need and trust that he can solve it. Weary speaks of physical tiredness, and heavy laden has the sense of one who carries a heavy burden. 
Jesus is referring to the heavy burden of the law and all its regulations imposed by the scribes and the Pharisees. Jesus promised true rest. This rest does not come from the absence of problems or difficulties or work. This rest comes only from Jesus since Jesus is the only one who can give it. Uh, in Exodus 33:14, we... Uh, do you have on the screen? Yes. And he said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. So, the rest comes from the presence of God. Now, the second point is the second commandment of Jesus. Take my yoke upon you. Remember, we speak always about an invitation, and indeed it's an invitation. But here, in these three verses, we find three commandments of Jesus. The first one was, come to me. Now, the second is, take my yoke upon you. This verb, to take, here has the meaning of a final decision, without delay. So, take my yoke now. Not tomorrow, not later, now. Take my yoke upon you now. Is the the power that has this verb in its original. So, the second commandment of Jesus is, take my yoke upon you. The yoke was a wooden, wooden implement that joined two animals, usually oxen, to pull heavy loads and to work as a team. A yoke imposed a measure of control on the animals. Neither animal was free to go its own direction because its bond to the other animal served as a restraint. Animals with a, with a yoke are under the control of his master. This image was used to describe the attachment of one individual to another. When Jesus invites us to take his yoke, he is inviting us to join him, to allow him to take the lead, to let him help through difficult situations, to give him the opportunity to show how it is done. Jesus' command to take his yoke is in contrast to the religious burden of the scribes and the Pharisees, or the military yoke of foreign oppressors. The yoke of Jesus allows us to find rest from the weariness and burdens of religious rules and human oppression. When the followers of Jesus take his yoke, they place themselves under the dominion 
control and direction of Jesus. Rest comes by coming to Jesus and taking upon his yoke. This yoke of Jesus is the yoke of the teachings of Jesus. Jesus does not propose that his disciples go yokeless, but that they accept his yoke, which is Christos, is the word used in the Greek, manageable, as opposed to harsh, hard, or sharp. Now we come or we get to the third point. The third point is the third command of Jesus. Again, the first, come to me. The first command of Jesus, come to me, and is an invitation as well. The second, take upon you my yoke. Take my yoke upon you. And the third commandment of Jesus is, and learn from me. Learn from me. This verb also has a sense of a final decision without delay, like take my yoke upon you. The, the sense is learn from me now, without delay, now, now. Learn from me, not tomorrow. Now. The third commandment, or the third command, is related to the second. The disciple is an ap apprentice, one who learns from the example of, and teachings of his master. Jesus is saying, be my disciples, be taught by me. His disciples learn directly from him. His disciples will learn his meekness and his humility. The yoke of the discipleship brings rest because Jesus is gentle and humble in heart. Jesus exemplifies the characteristics that his disciples will manifest as members of the kingdom of heaven. Gentleness and humility. Jesus came in meekness, preaching and teaching the good news of the kingdom of heaven, and in a humble human form has brought salvation to a sin-sick humanity. This is true rest. By the way, we don't need to learn how to be proud, because we are proud by nature, nature, nature. So, one of the reasons that Jesus is commanding his disciples to learn from him what his humbleness, his meekness. We need, indeed, to learn how to be humble. Only Jesus can teach us how to be humble. He is our perfect example supreme model in how to be a humble person. Uh, I, I remember Philippians 2, 
chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature, nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. <clears throat> Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that all, that all, or that in the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So our attitude or our way of thinking should be like Jesus. We need the same way of thinking and feeling of Jesus. We should be humble. We need to learn the humility of Jesus. Jesus, again I say it, Jesus is our supreme and perfect example of humility. So the third commandment of Jesus says, learn from me. What you need to learn from me, my humility, my meekness. Every one of us need to learn that. We need it. Then, there are three reasons why his disciples should learn from him. Three reasons why his disciples should learn from him. The first reason is because he is meek and humble of heart. In contrast to the wise and learned or knowledgeable. By the way, none of us as I said before, need to learn how to be proud. We need to learn how to be humble. Jesus demonstrated in his life the character that Jesus demands of his followers in the Sermon of the Mount. Uh, Bless, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Jesus demonstrated in his life that character, that or those virtues. He was indeed meek and humble. humble. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, then Jesus revealed his nature when he described himself as gentle and lowly of heart. It is his servant's heart displayed throughout the, his ministry that makes him qualified to be the one who bears our burdens. The second reason is that his yoke is easy. Remember that there are three reasons why his disciples should learn from him. 
The first is because he is meek and humble of heart. The second is that his yoke is easy. His yoke of discipleship fits well and is bearable. His yoke adjusts in such a way that it doesn't produce discomfort. The yoke of oxen has room for two. The idea is that Jesus is bearing the yoke together with his disciples. That is why his yoke is easy. The other part of the third reason why the disciples of Jesus should learn from him is because his burden is light. This isn't a call to a lazy life. There is still a yoke to bear because it makes lighter demands, but because it represents entering into a discipleship or into a disciple relationship. In the yoke, Jesus is bearing the greater part of the burden, and his discipleship is not a is not the oppressive burden of the scribes and the Pharisees. Instead, Jesus makes the burden of life manageable. Also, Jesus provides the spiritual strength to obey his commands. For this reason, his commandments are not burdensome, as we read in John, 1 John 5, 3. This is the love for God to obey His commands, and His commands are not burdensome. Now, the third reason why His disciples should learn from Him. The third reason is that those who are taught by Jesus and learn from Him will find rest for their souls and you will find rest for your souls Jesus described his gift to his followers as a rest for your soul Jerem we read in Jeremiah 6 16 Jeremiah called Israel to ask for the ancient path where the good way lies, promising that if they would do so, they would find rest for your souls. Israel, however, rejected Jeremiah's counsel, saying, we will not walk in it. It is an echo of Jeremiah 6.16, which is God offer to those who follow his way. Jesus now issues the invitation in his own name to those who take his yoke upon them. The word rest denotes tranquility. Jesus does not invite us to the lay, uh, to, to the lay on a chair, but to the discipleship rest of a purposeful life. So these are the three reasons why we as Jesus disciples 
should learn from him because he is meek and humble of heart because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And the third reason is that when we are taught by Jesus and learn from him, we will find rest. This rest is found. The first rest when Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest is a promise. Promise. It's a gift. But this is when we follow Jesus using his uh, yoke, we will learn and we will find his rest. And as a conclusion, while the original context referred to the burden of the Jewish law, there is nothing in these words to suggest that they should not also extend to our weariness and burdens today. We are weary today even though we do not observe the Jewish law. But we are weary today. We are also weary and burdened today by many things, many things at the same time. We probably have concerns about jobs, about marriage, about money, health, children, safety, insurance, loan payments, travels, old age or aging, diseases, limitations, loss of loved ones, loneliness, separation, physical separation, depression, sadness, stress, anxieties, cares, unemployment, politics, many, many things today we are facing. So we are also weary and burdened today by many things at the time. Also, we can think about tough choices criticism or opposition, hasty and wrong decisions, hidden and unconfessed sins, lack of forgiveness and of being forgiven, and a hundred other things. Jesus' Jesus' concern for our burdens is a real is as real as his concern for law-burdened Jews of his day. His promise is equally real today, this morning, for each one of us. Come to me, all you who are weary and are heavily, heavily, heavily burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus still does that. 
Do we believe it? Jesus still gives rest. Do we want his rest today, now, from now on? We indeed need it. When we go to him with faith, we will receive his rest. And when we go to him to be taught with his yoke upon us, we will find rest. May the Lord help us to apply these three commands to our lives today or from now on. In the name of Jesus, I say this and I pray. Lord, help us to believe that your words are truth are true, and that we need to obey and to apply to our lives your words. Thanks for teaching us through these three verses that we read this morning. Thanks. We give you thanks for your three commands, specifically, specifically for your gracious invitation. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we praise you and we pray. Amen.